Welcome to today's podcast. It's our great pleasure to have with us today Graham Ross, who's based in Australia. And thanks to technology, with a mere distance of 10,000 miles between us, plus a 10-hour time lapse, that's not an issue. It's currently 7am here in the UK and 4pm in Sydney. Graham Ross is the co-founder of a sustainable sportswear and athleisure brand, which is based in Australia, and it's named Kosaga, which means recycled in Swahili. Sustainability is at the heart of Graham's business mandate, and while sourcing fabrics for Kosaga, Graham realised that we have to change the traditional textile footpath. To source the sustainable fabrics for his sportswear brand, Graham had to reinvent them, which he did despite numerous challenges, and it was during that process that he realised that we must also develop a new future for how we deal with waste. And that's when Graham started Blocktex, which offers a new system for the recycling of textiles, taking waste and recycling, utilising new technology that can split the synthetic and cellulose blends to distill the raw elements and critically repurpose the original fibres to generate sustainable fabrics and circular manufacturing. Now let's chat to Graham. Graham, welcome to today's podcast. Uh, good morning, Debbie. Thank you very much for having me on this wonderful podcast. No, no problem. So I think we've got so much to talk today and so many kind of shared, <laughs> shared experiences. I think it's probably best that we start with your um, sportswear brand, Kasaga, and why, why and how that all came about would be a great story. You know, thanks. It was. It was. Um, I, I'm re- really recently only in the sort of the textile industry, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of a newcomer. But um, I had a background in um, in television production, um, and so I guess uh, that gave me a lot of knowledge in regards to how one might be able to articulate, uh, you know, a new industry, a category within the category, sort of thing. So. Um, I, my, my journey started actually within my own wardrobe. Um, I was doing a bunch of triathlon and marathon events, um, and I, w- I was currently living in the UK at that time. Um, the great thing about the events I was doing is they would give you a free T-shirt at the end of it, and um, I, okay. I, I apparently did quite a few because I had a wardrobe full of these free T-shirts, <laughs> um, and, um, and, I, and I, I hardly wore them, and I didn't wear them because – they kind of didn't fit properly, and the material felt a bit scratchy. And 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 after you wore it a few times, it kind of smelt like it had been sort of lost in in you know, a horse stable. So, okay. um, I, I rang a few of my mates and said, you know, do you guys uh, do you guys wear these shirts? And they said, yep, yeah, um, straight after the race because my running kit is all you know wet and smelly, and um, and then often on the plane home, you know, from from the race just to tell everybody I'd done that that race. And I went, yeah, I, I can I can I certainly agree with that. But it, t- it seemed to me that that was a really interesting perspective from all my, these shirts were all full of sponsors. And so these shirts were only getting worn for basically a 24-hour period. And so um, I had no, I, you know, this will be a, a revelation. Um, my wife has been buying my clothes for pretty much since we got together. Apparently, I'm a, I've got a shocking sense of fashion. And so um, <laughs> I didn't quite know what was actually my clothes were made of. And so I guess I put on my sort of television producer's hat on and I did a bit of research and I discovered that my basic wardrobe was like most people's. Um, polyester, cotton, um, a bit of lycra, some spandex. Yeah, it is interesting, so- isn't it, when you start to drill down and read those labels? Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I didn't know what all that meant. So I did some research and, and, and to be honest, I was really shocked. I just had no idea that my small wardrobe had such an impact on the planet. 
And then when you start to think about, you know, like, you know, if, if, if as the figures say, a T-shirt is about 3,000 litres, takes about 3,000 litres of water yeah. to make, you think you've got 10 items, that's, that's equivalent of a small swimming pool. Yeah. And that's just kind of hanging in my wardrobe. And I go, wow. So that, that was really interesting for me. And I thought, well, there's probably a business here because I'm racing with thousands and thousands of people. And so I thought, what if I could, um, if there was a better product out there? And, and obviously there was, there was hemp and bamboo, but they just weren't quite the performance fabrics that I was looking for. Um, and so I, I, I spent a bit of time and I found a whole bunch of fibers. This is probably five years ago. Five, uh, a whole bunch of fibers sitting in laboratories that were white papers or or actually kind of stuck at the back of warehouses that um, hadn't sort of come to market. And I um, I called up all these places and said, um, you know, I'd like to get hold of your fibers, not really knowing what to, what I was going to do with them, but I kind of had an idea if I could get at least get hold of those fibers and I could work that out. Yeah. And I ended up getting about um, about 11 different fibers. Um, and then I did go back to my favorite um, research tool, Google, and, and try to understand I basically, I typed in, how do you make fabric? Because I had no idea. Okay. Um, and, and so I had all these, had these wonderful, groundbreaking, sustainable fibers. And I, and I, I was lucky enough to find a, a mill in Korea. And I called them also up and said, um, I've got all these fibers you've never heard of, but I really like to make some fabric. And so over about a two-year period, we had a lot of fun. We had a lot of failures. We had a lot of you know, you know, 20 kilos would 20 kilos would go in, and you know, two yards of fabric would come out and be useless. All these sorts of stuff. Yeah, big learning um, curve. Yeah, and a whole process of dyeing as well. You know, obviously, yeah. we wanted to look at, we wanted to make this as environmentally friendly as possible. So, not only was I learning the the the, the textile industry, but I was also learning about you know, dyeing uh, fabrics, and it it in itself is its own challenges, not only from a technical point of view, but also from an environmental point of view. Definitely. So at the end of that sort of um, few-year period, we end up making um, three sustainable fabrics, three plant-based, and we um, developed a degradable um, polyester. Um, so that was fantastic. Um, and I'd, I'd made sort of run shirts, and I was testing those out um, along with my business partner at the time. But we didn't know whether there was a commercial um, vehicle here. So we it was early stages of um, crowdfunding campaigns. And so we, we thought, well, let's, let's, let's give this a go and see if there's actually a market out there. Does, do people really care about the environment and the clothing like we do? Um, and so we, we set about, we figured everybody owns a T-shirt, so we'll just make a T-shirt. And so once we put together you know, our fibers and made a fabric, we worked out and we worked out the environmental impact of that. It compared to a cotton T-shirt, and so that gave us the opportunity to kind of go, well, what does it? How does it compare from a water usage point of view, from a land use point of point of view, and what what, what about an end of life point of view? And so we we then needed a, a marketing tag, but we could actually back it up, and we called it the greenest T-shirt on the planet. And so yeah, right we launched that. Yes, we launched it on Kickstarter, and we successfully funded that. And so, the greenest T-shirt on the planet um, uses um, less than one percent of the water of a, a typical cotton T-shirt—21.9 liters of water to manufacture. Wow! Um, and yeah, so which is which is fantastic, and it's a great. It, you know, I, I'm a bit biased. It, it feels great. Um, we've um, I've got friends who who wear who use it every day. Um, they wear it. It doesn't retain any odor. Over night time, they're just hanging up. They they love it. In fact, I think it's probably the best. It's probably the the ideal university student attire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the next brand. Um, so yeah. What, so we did, did you put some kind of antibacterial fiber in there then? How did you How did no, you make it? The, the natural fibers themselves have a. They have a. It's got a wonderful. Um, it's very breathable on the okay. body. 
Um, and then over night time, if you're hanging out, it just any 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 possible odors um, have have gone. So um, we um, I've, we've done some fun tests about getting people to go for long runs and turn up and get people to smell their shirt and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> Great marketing. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sniff my shirt. Um, yeah. So. So we successfully funded that. But we also had an opportunity to talk to a whole bunch of people who pledged, and um, and they'll, they'll be forever in my sort of my my debt. I um, it was wonderful when people back uh, like a crazy idea, you know, that we'd actually made into reality. And they um, they also gave some really open conversations in regards to what they thought a sustainable clothing company would look like, you know, what they would expect from us. Um, what kind of clothing they might want. And so from that, we're able to um, then move into a sportswear and activewear range um, because I didn't have any background to go and make suits or anything. So um, T-shirts was was where I wanted to do. But I wanted to make a run shirt that, you know, you could run 500 metres or 50 kilometres and it would feel exactly the same. And so we launched Kasaga Athletic um, about two and a half years ago. well, I think we've had, out of all that time, we've had one return, and that was to change a size. Um, wow. People, yeah, it's been been really humbling. Um, but it's been also, I guess, the stepping stone into kind of my real interest and passion in this sort of industry. That's great. So within this brand, then, you have, you have obviously cellulose, cotton, and natural fibres, but you've also got biodegradable polyesters. A degradable polyester, yeah. So... Um, the the polyester and this is still you know this is like everything still really early days but yeah. we've been able to successfully compost uh, wow. the material um, back down and that that's that's been incredible but at this stage you know I haven't we've got a you know, a take back scheme with that with our customers but I, nobody sent one back in fact I had one of my uh, one of our athletes he's a he's a serious runner he does like ultra marathons and all sorts of crazy stuff. And he said to me, he'd had the shirt for a couple of years. He said he, he sent me a mail saying, um, "I feel like I should um, return this shirt, but it's still perfectly fine. <laughs> I've done 50 races in it, and so I guess you know, if you're thinking about sustainable products, it's not necessarily completely. Um, it's obviously where, where it's how it's made and your end of life, but also in the in your design, you want to make it that it's going to last the." For a lot longer than you know a turnover of six months. Yeah, that, that's uh, that's an incredible statistic though, because in online retailing, in the fashion and the apparel industry, you kind of generally looking quite often. You have to factor in thirty percent returns, don't you? So the fact you've never had any is or, uh, or one just to change size, as you say, is is, is an incredible achievement. Yeah, I mean we're certainly not selling in the volumes of uh, the bigger brands, but no, it's been it's been wonderful. Um, and I guess part of that is also. Um, a lot of our customers are really discerning. So before they make a purchase, they've kind of, they've done a lot of research about the brand. They want to know who they're buying it from. They want to know whether the claims we're making is real. There's a lot of conversations amongst. Uh, they certainly know through uh, running groups around the world talking about our brand and discussing that. And so I think they've already they're already a lot more knowledgeable. So it's not just like a purchase. Oh, well, I can just send it back. So I think that that kind of tips in our favour a bit. Yeah, and and as you say, people are doing their research now. The consumer is waking up, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely, and, and we've we've always tried to be as you know as as transparent as we possibly can be, um, and um, always accessible for any sort of questions about stuff. Because I guess we're all learning. Um, you know, the big brands are all still learning. Uh, the new innovative brands are still learning. There's this this is a this is a time where the industry is 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 having a significant shift. I know when I first moved in this industry, sustainable talking about sustainable fabrics, people would look at me strange and think yeah. I was weird, like. You mean like hemp? 
It's like, no, actually not hemp. There's other new fabrics. And, and nowadays, um, what's the market share of some of the, uh, you know, the, the viscose around it? It's probably, what, about 10% of the, pro the production around the world? Yep. Which is more than wool. Yep. 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 So, yes. We, we, yeah, we are, we are about to um, see a huge swing in our industry. That's fantastic. So we'll, I'll make sure that we, um, we put some links and stuff in the, um, the notes for the podcast so that um, our readers, uh, readers and listeners <laughs> can, um, can find your brand. And, of course, you ship worldwide, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've, um, we, we do it through um, DHL. Um, they deliver very well, and we offset all our carbon. I think in the first year we offset... 2.8 tons of, of CO2 um, and those offset went on to fund all sorts of um, environmental endeavors. In fact, it, one funded a pig farm in, in China and, and basically by help, yeah, but what they basically did, which is, bear with me, they harnessed, the methane, they harnessed the methane from the pigs and they used that to, um, to heat the to stove and also to heat the houses because previously the, the farmers were going and cutting down the local forests. For, for, for heating and cooking. So by harnessing the methane that was already there in the pig farm, they were not only um, allowing the, helping the farmers gain back more of their day because they're not cutting down trees, but also from an environmental point of view, they're not cutting down trees. Wow. As you say, it's awareness, isn't it, <laughs> to alternatives? Absolutely. And for us, all we do is we have to we, we align ourselves with a brand that's already doing that. Um, they've got a very clear uh, process of how you do it, and you can track to make sure that they are doing things. And at the end of the day, back to your you know your shareholders, you can report that you've saved X amount of CO two because you're shipping stuff around the world. Yeah. So it shouldn't be you shouldn't be you should be conscious of what your your impact by doing your shipping, but also there's ways now to offset that shipping. That's great. And this isn't marketing. This is this is deep. A, a deep understanding and a deep knowledge of, of an industry that is, as you say, changing, um, but you really are delivering green products to your clients. That's exactly right. It's just you start from the perspective of you're either sustainable or not. It's kind of, I guess, it's like you're either ethical or not. There isn't a grey area. No. And so I think um, these these processes are already existing and, and certainly in the and since we started, the, the, it, it's hard not to find them. So I think... Um, those sorts of changes, when when bigger companies that are, that ha have ingrained way of doing their business, I know I appreciate that as a challenge. But just by exploring how you do your shipping is it, that should be a really simple thing to to uh, start uh, like pretty quickly, um, and you can also you can track your offset immediately. So and then you can market that if you want to. Yeah, I think it's probably also interesting too in that you know you've had the opportunity to build a sustainable company from the ground up, and I think as you say, some of the bigger bigger brands have a, a totally different problem because they have to swing the change in, in a in a in a vast supply chain um, and control that change. But with entrepreneurs such as yourself, you know, paving the way forward, it um, it you know puts a spotlight on them and and enforces that that change within the big brands too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there's there's a lot of learning that can go between the bigger brands and the smaller brands. I think that's part of part of life. But also, I think in, um, we are as inhabitants of the planet. You know, you, you, we already know that there is a challenge with our climate. Um, and then I think for those changes, waiting around for governments who are an even bigger machine to slow down, you can actually make a difference within your own um, your own company that goes beyond. Um, you know, uh, reusable coffee cups. Yes. There's yeah. other ways. Plastic of, straws. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. 
yes, yeah, there is other ways that you can really pull the lever. And what I've seen um, with companies that we've 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 spoken about our journey and they've adopted things is that um, it might start from the CEO down initially, but within a couple of months, it's actually coming from the bottom up because people are saying, well, actually, we could do it this way and that would be actually better. Or this way would save more waste. This way would save more energy. And so you change the culture of your business. And I think that's what's really exciting about businesses. So it's not driven by the boss saying do this. It's actually driven by the people who are doing the everyday jobs. And, and, it, and it, does, it does change and enliven the culture of a business. That's incredible. So tell us, let, let's swing our conversation around to BlockTech then, because BlockTech started because of your sustainability knowledge building Kasaga, didn't it? Is that correct? Yeah, what, what, what it got was I got more and more involved in the industry and I had a, a greater understanding that whilst we were doing our very small you know, effort here at Kasaga, the, the volume of clothes we were making each year was, getting, was increasing year on year. Um, and there was a bunch. Obviously, there's a there's a bunch of reasons that, but that there was a sheer volume. But we hadn't really taken care of what was the end of life. And I guess we, can, you know, the analogy I drew was I looked a lot at in the plastics industry. And the plastics industry, certainly in my country, very good at collection and sortation. And the the recycling markets were was was often either buried in landfill or ship it overseas. Yeah. Um, those markets are closing and as we're seeing with the global fashion markets the market and they're pretty similar there's a lot of collection of of unwanted clothes and they're often shipped into various markets around the world now putting aside the environmental impact and the social impact of of that sort of that sort of business model those markets are closing because there's just a sheer flood um, around the world and and i and um my business partner and i um felt that we needed to really come up with a true uh recycling method where it wasn't about collection. It was about collection process and turning that into a reusable product. Um, and so we um, we looked at a lot of a lot of fabrics and we tried a, a bunch of different different um, techniques. Um, we went down a mechanical uh, separation route, recycling route, which yeah. is, you know, is is very successful in um, in 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 cotton. Um, and there's some great companies around the world doing some some terrific things. And I think that's a that's something we need to keep thinking about, especially with the impact of the growth of cotton and, and I guess you know yeah. various cotton regions are getting affected by um, drought and so the cost of growing that, that cotton is, um, well, that, is increasing. Yeah that's right but also um, as the world's population grows we need cotton demands an awful lot of land and uh, we need yeah. that land for food don't we in the future so as you say more sustainable options and new fibres are the way forward. Yeah, absolutely and so and that's kind of where we, we got to we went um, we looked at, you know, polyester cotton blends is, is pretty much the most common blend uh, globally. Yep. You know, and it's our it's our everyday items. You know, it's our sheets and our shirts and the stuff that we that we use we we use every day. Um, and so we, we focused on um, developing a separation technique to split apart the polyester cotton, but with the with the sole aim to making sure we didn't we we captured both of them. Yes. Um, because there's techniques you can you can recover the, the polyester but sacrifice the cotton. Mm -hmm. But for us at BlockTex, we kind of have two mandates. One is no t no textiles to landfill and don't create another problem. And so yeah. by by being able to separate and recover both those materials, well then we're not we're not creating a problem, but also we're creating a valuable resource that can go back into the textile industry, but also interestingly back into other industries. Absolutely, different different qualities that you um, you create in the recycling process. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think that what's really interesting is that um, there is there is a lot of tech. What, I don't like to call it waste because I think that just devalues the value that's there. And and I knew that there was inherent value in the fibers and the fabrics because of Casaga. I'd physically paid for those fibers to be yeah. developed and physically paid for those fabrics to be made. So throwing that that you know that T-shirt into the landfill actually was like throwing money away. Yeah, um, and yeah. I don't. Yeah, that, yes. Well, or not <laughs> burning it, it's even worse. But <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, so there's already inherent value within that. And so, what we need to do is come up with a clever way of being able to separate those two fibres. Don't create uh, another problem. Um, so, from our process, the only waste is water, um, and be able to get it to a point that we could give uh, brands across the textile spectrum, not just in clothing. Who are crying out for a, a real solution? Like the, the clients we're working with, they don't want to send it to landfill. They don't want to burn it. They want a real solution that recovers it. And, and I think that's what we aim to do. And then off the back of that, creating um, uh, our end products are uh, high quality uh, R pellets. Yes. Um, right. And uh, high quality, highly crystalline uh, cellulose powder. Okay. Cool. Right. Got it. Yep. So the PET can go back into get get respun into polyester fibers um, to be reused in the industry, or it can be melted um, down and used to make bench tops and table and chairs or children's playground equipment, a whole bunch of things. Yeah, exactly. Um, totally circular at whichever level, whether it goes back into being a garment or, whether, as you say, it gets repatriated into another product. Yeah, and you can recapture it again and again and again and keep reusing using it. So throwing it onto landfill is just that's all turning into rag and then throwing a landfill. You just you're, you're cutting short many many life cycles. And then the the cellulose, the cellulose powder um, can get respun back into viscose um, or get used in a whole bunch of um, from foodstuffs as thickeners in paints and adhesives. Yep. It's used in cosmetics. It's using whole whole different things. It's a it's a it's a very versatile uh, material. So, for us, we've actually provided the opportunity to divert away from landfill, but then turn into resources. But so that for myself and my business partner Adrian, that's a really exciting place to be. Well, that's great. Tell me, in Australia, then has the does, is the government backing um, sustainable innovations over there? I think. Um, I think my country's got a couple of challenges. One is that we've we've relied on we're very good at collection, as I said, collection, sortation, and export, and that yeah. export has gone away uh, now that China's closed its doors, and and several other Asian countries are, do, are doing the same. Um, I think that a lot of the manufacturing uh, industry or products are being done overseas and, and importing, so the manufacturing infrastructure. Is needs a bit of a kick forward. I think the governments realise that. Um, I think they are cautious of um, where they're going to put their money and, and, and where that's spent. And we already have a large amount of plastics in warehouses and stuff like that, which is a, which is already a concern. The challenge we have in this country is that we don't we don't count textiles. We have enough to date, so you know we have to estimate how much textiles are going into landfill. And I think. It's part education when you start talking to governments and we talk about that that the run shirt that they've got at home and they use every weekend is actually the same material that the, the plastic bottle is made out of, yet you, they care about the plastic bottle's um, end of life more than they care about their favourite run shirt. That it's breaking down those barriers to say, well, you know, if it's still a PET. And then I think what the great opportunity here in this country and other countries is governments are a huge user of you know, huge procurement industry 
And if governments can start mandating a percentage of their procurement as recycled product, what that does is sends a great message back into the industry, but also into private investment to start investing in those businesses because those innovative businesses have got opportunity for their products to be um, to be sold on. That's right, but it also forces change, doesn't it? And unfortunately, as human beings, sometimes that does have to be forced upon us. So by mandating, as you say, a certain percentage, both import and export actually as well too, will force change. Yeah, absolutely. And I, we, we, we have in this country what they call landfill levies. So if you are dumping a ton of waste into, into landfill, it costs you, you know, X amount of money. Each state is different. What we haven't been able to do is to take to get that money diverted directly into existing and innovative new recycling methods, and that's one of the things that we're we're um, imploring and and lobbying the government yeah. to make sure that there is a a decent percentage of that 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 pool of money is directed into driving new innovative businesses to um, come up with new ways of recycling, but also new ways of thinking about what a recycling industry looks like. It's incredible, isn't it, that we have to have reached this point in the pollution of our planet to um, to develop these innovations. And one yeah. of one of my questions for you is, um, why do you think it's it's taken so long for the actual? And you're new to the textile industry. Um, why has it taken so long for the industry and the consumer to wake up to to that damage? Then and to highlight the fact that it is, you know, the textile industry is the second biggest polluter in the world aside from oil. Why has it taken so long for people to find this out? Yeah, um, I often say my business partner was, has been in the rag trade most of his life. Um, he actually started at M&S before he found his way back down here and ran some, several large brands as CEO. Um, I'm often driving him crazy with, with the question, but why? Why do you do it that way? And it's yeah. kind of like, it's because we've always done it that way. I guess I guess from my, from my sort of newcomer's perspective is um, – the, the business itself has grown year on year in the last 10 years exponentially. Um, and I think that uh, brands are barely, you know, you, uh, well, certainly when I speak to people who work for brands, is they're just, just trying to get to Friday, let alone, you know, trying yeah, to get, get through the day, let alone trying to put in any new sort of innovation. I haven't found anybody who doesn't believe in what we're doing in, in the industry. The challenge is often, is often either um, time um, the ability to, to create change within their the, in their business, or um, the the cost of that, and so what we see ourselves at Blocktex is about showing that now there is actually a solution. So that there is a solution to landfill that actually provides a, a real product, and so what that gives it that's kind of like a north star for your company to say, okay, we may not get to use Blocktex in 12 months, but let's aim to be we use it in two years. But what do we need to get do to get our business ready to do that? Yeah, but make that pledge. Yeah, make that pledge, and I think also for for companies, um, the volumes are coming, and 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 the supply chain is used to pumping out so much uh, fabric each year within certain frameworks. Mm-hmm. I know when I started Casaga, trying to get anything done outside of you know business as usual out of you know mills in Asia was a challenge, and um, and I had the opportunity to be able to do that because that was all I was doing. I wasn't trying to put um, clothes on shelves each week. So I think. That's been a challenge. I think there is there is a, a huge impetus within this industry and uh, that want to make change. I guess what we need to do is find allow find them companies like ours. There's plenty of other companies to to kind of be able to look towards. Okay, that's where we'd like to be. And I think from an analogy, we're working with some brands at the moment who um, 
uh, have got nylon buttons on their clothing. And so we have to cut those off before that goes into our process. But now the, the next lot of production, maybe not the next lot, maybe the one after that, that we're working towards the buttons being made out of polyester. And so the design is informing their end of life. I think, I think you're absolutely right. And I think from, from my, my experience in the design industry, it starts with the design. And it starts with the yeah. designer who puts all of those products, all of those um, tiny little bits and pieces, whether it's the thread or, as mm. you say, the button, into that product right at the very beginning that defines its supply chain. And I think um, whilst everybody within the industry, you're quite right, is totally, totally signed up to the challenge and signed up to using new technologies. I think here definitely in the UK we have a big problem in that the, the designers and the, the next generation aren't being educated mm. um, to in about circular circular design and circular economy. And I think that we have a huge obligation as an industry to um, to feed back into the education stream to give that knowledge to make sure that we get we arm them with the right tool set when they start their careers. Because they are the next generation, they are the, the new industry. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, I would build on that. I think there is a lot of conversation in the industry globally in regards to circular economy, you know, new, new, new ways of doing things, but there is a lack of action. Yes. Um, and I, and, I, and I, I sort of encourage everybody who's listening to that is to, whilst it, conversations are important and collaboration is important, how do you get to action? And I think sometimes we we talk about circular economy and it becomes this big thing that you kind of, you're almost, you're not quite sure where to start as opposed to going, well, what could we, what could we action today or what could we action this week? What could we action this month? You know, when we're having our planning strategy, is there, is there something we can action? Is, is there a button change or can we explore the fact that maybe we, we could change the buttons? Yeah, just, just start yeah, to do something. Exactly. Because if everybody makes that one small step, we actually force a huge change, don't we? Absolutely, and um, and we, we get out of that kind of inertia of having a conversation about it. We just start doing things, and I think then you start attracting like-minded people to help out. But then also we can start the the articles and the stories aren't talking about circular economy. We're talking about action within circular economy, and just gets that momentum going, and it it highlights those who are doing moving forward, and also highlights those people who are holding us back. Yeah. Do you also, do you also, you might agree with me actually, do you also agree that the consumer is also beginning to drive change in a big way too? Oh, absolutely. The, the, the conversations, all the knowledge about clothing um, since I've come into this industry is, is exponential. It's, it's incredible. I think, um, I think that the challenge that we have as all of us as consumers is that we, we, we have a love of our clothes. We like to look good. Um, we also have a time constraint in regards to being able to um, investigate every brand that we're buying from. So I guess where we have our power is to support companies who are leading in regards to sustainability and ethical business practices, first and foremost. By supporting those new businesses, then you start to drive change within a larger industry because if you've got a larger brand who is dragging the chain moving into sustainability, they will change when they see their, their sales numbers drop. <laughs> and so consumers have got a huge um, sway in, that, in regards to that. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? We had this little conversation, didn't we, um, just off air a moment ago where we were talking about people um, within boards, etc., wanting to use sustainable technologies kind of right now, but knowing that that's going to hit the bottom line. 
it's going to affect it's going to affect the profit because it's perhaps potentially slightly disruptive and also slightly more expensive but as you say once the consumer demands it they have to bring about that change and they have to they have to change their their business models yeah and i think there's a huge opportunity to get on that front foot but i think coming back to the the consumers we we have we have such a strong voice and um, and we've got at, at fingertips um, direct tools through social media to talk to brands. Yeah. And so it's about asking the questions. What are you guys doing? Have you thought about this? You know, why are you not supporting this? Why are you not using this particular fabric? What is your end of life process? Process. Why can't I send my clothes back to you for, as an end of life? If I haven't got the opportunity to donate them to charity, which is what I would encourage, if I can't donate to charity, how come I can't give that back to you? What is your environmental uh, stewardship? Um, we, you know, you can't we should as a very basis be able to redirect our clothes back to brands or organizations to be able to get these clothes uh, uh, recycled the frustrating thing we have in australia there's a lot of donations to charities which is wonderful same but, here but it all goes to landfill <laughs> yeah well there's there's certainly charges but the, the when you've got the ripped the stained the torn items the only opportunity is to go to landfill and so yeah. you know I call on brands. What are you? What are we doing about those? How can we gather those things up and get them reused? Yeah, and, and that, as you say, that that all of that cost, all of that cost of that recycling, can be fed back into the margins right at the very beginning of the origination, can't it? Because there's obviously you know there's a cost to everything, but we just it has to be factored in. That, that's exactly right, and I, and I think um, I think. It'd be an interesting thing to see what what your consumers would say if you said, you know, we're, we're going to put a levy of X, which has been floated in you know, UK Parliament. Yeah, it just um, got thrown. Unfortunately, it just got thrown out. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But if, 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 if a brand took that upon themselves and said, okay, we're going to charge X amount to recycle, just like, um, you know, your, your, um, your local tyre uh, guy exactly. charges you to get rid of the tires. Yep. Um, I think that would be a great thing to lead, um, to really, to, to lead, so, you know, Consumers, I don't see consumers saying, "Oh no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay an extra X amount of cents because I don't, I don't believe in what you're doing." I think, I think, I think what we're doing is we're talking about something that should just be the norm. Yes. Um, and so um, it, it, it only takes a couple of people to lead that, and then it becomes the norm. And then we kind of we look back and we go, "Why didn't we do that?" I mean, there's plenty of things in life we look back and go. Really? <laughs> Is that how we used to live our lives? <laughs> but with all this incredible innovation and technology, we should be able to, what, what do you think time frame wise did we should be able to swing this around much quicker? Shouldn't have to wait that long, should we? No, we shouldn't. But also, I think I think great change can happen with um, new and nimble companies. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate the larger companies take a little bit longer. And they also have, they've got a stewardship over a, a large supply chain that, that like I said before, is, was putting, is puts food on people's ta tables. So we have to be conscious of what those kind of degrees, how they affect right down the supply chain. But I think there's an opportunity for the governments through private investment, maybe through bigger brands to support these these new innovations that can kind of get us to a stage to create a bit of a change and they can come back into the, la the larger industry. So I think um, I think we can we can make a, we can make a lot of change in a short amount of time. Turning around the industry is going to still take some time, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't start now. Agreed. Yeah, small steps cumulatively will make a huge change, won't they? Oh, that's great. Graham, thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we, we close today? I'm really conscious that it's the end of your day and the beginning of mine. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. 
No, it's wonderful to have the opportunity to to have a conversation. And if anyone else would like to to sort of pick up um, further conversation with myself about um, block text or Cassagra Athletic, um, you can find me on the on the on the interweb. Um, and um, and I guess from from the point of block text, we are you know whilst we're an Australian company and, and this is we're you know we're finalising our our world first facility. Um, we are interested in working with um, global brands um, who are looking for a solution that we're offering. Um, and I think that's really exciting for us to be able to not only take um, some technology we've developed here in this country, but also to be able to share that with, with other places around the world to, um, to really start to enact that sort of change. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for your time today, Graeme. It's been wonderful hearing about your story and your deep knowledge of um, sustainability. It's fantastic. Thank you so much. Thanks, Debbie. Have a great day. Take care. You too. Thank you. Bye-bye.